Next Chapter Podcasts. So much. It's Rocket by Def Leppard from their 1987 album Hysteria. It's also number 464 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. And guess what? It's your boy, Josh Adam Myers, aka the man wearing more fleece than anybody in the entire world. I don't think you guys realize it. Like, I'm literally covered. From head to toe. If this was a video podcast, you'd see fleece. But thank you for tuning in to the only podcast where we go through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. Thank you to everybody that came up to me at Skankfest. I didn't talk about it last week, uh, which was right after I got back from New York. But if you were at Skankfest and you came up to me and said you listened to the 500, thank you guys so much, man. That that did not go unappreciated. I love that so much. I love. I know we got we have good numbers, but I still think that like nobody's listening to this. So everybody out there that's listening, I love you. And if you came up to me at Skankfest, I love you. And if you send an Instagram story, uh, which I want you guys to do, take those photos of how you're listening to the 500. Do a screenshot, tag me at Josh Adam Myers and give a hashtag, the 500 podcast. We're trying to get the word out and uh, I need your help, everybody. If you listen to the show and you're following along, fucking do something. If you guys want to catch the 500 live, I can finally talk about it. We're doing a live recording of the 500 at Montreal just for laughs. That's right. It's Canada, so get your passports ready. July 25th, we're doing it in the Ovation Room of the Hyatt. Biggest comedy festival in the world. Live 500 recording. I want to see you guys there. Today in music for July 10th. Here we go. In 2016, Aerosmith lead guitarist Joe Perry suffers a cardiac arrest while performing with Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp, fellow members of the supergroup The Hollywood Vampires. In Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York, the 65-year-old is rushed to Coney Island Hospital where he's listed in stable condition. I don't know if you guys have heard the same rumors that I have, but that motherfucker finished the set. While having a heart attack, he fucking kept ripping. Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, I think his like liver burst during a show you know, for the Use Your Illusion tour, and they finished. That's why rock stars are badass. They fucking finish what they started, and then they go to the hospital to take care of themselves. Uh, I love you, Joe. It's so cool that Dana Gould was a student of your mom's. And if you listen to the Dana Gould episode, you know that. All right, guys. A little bit about the record. Fun fact, this almost didn't get made. It was 1984, and Def Leppard was preparing a follow-up to the previous year's Pyromania, which was a huge hit record that made them MTV stars. They assembled the same hit team, and this time, the plan was to go even bigger. I don't know how you get bigger than Pyromania. It was called Animal Instinct at first, and it was to be their third album that the band worked on with producer Mutt Lang. 
who had previously produced such huge records such as Highway to Hell, Back in Black, For Those About to Rock, Foreigners 4, and The Cars' Heartbreak City. However, Mutt dropped out after pre-production, citing exhaustion. The band then started working with Jim Steinman, who had written hit songs for Meatloaf, Air Supply, and Bonnie Tyler. But that didn't work out, so they had to buy him out of his contract. Then the band decided to produce it themselves with Mutt's engineer, Nigel Green. Two weeks later, they were unhappy and ready to abort those recordings as well, when on December 31st, 1984, drummer Rick Allen got in a horrible, near-fatal car accident, losing his arm. The band went on hiatus. I don't know how you keep going after that, but they did. Six weeks after his accident, with sheer determination and specially designed electronic drum kick pedals, Rick was back with Def Leppard working on the record. Then things really picked up when Mutt Lang returned a year later to produce. By that time, Rick had gotten up to speed with his new drum kit. Mutt, who co-wrote every song on this record, looked at Michael Jackson's Thriller, which had kept their album Pyromania from the top of the charts, and asked why a hard rock band couldn't have a record with six singles. So he set out to do exactly that. It took three years. Three fucking years?! Good God. And with the cost of everything that went into the record and everything that didn't even make it to the record, it would take $5 million just to break even. Well, guess what, motherfucker? Def Leppard came through and sold 25 million records with seven singles released from it. Hysteria is a hard rock juggernaut. And guess what? I've got three comedic juggernauts. Big J. Okerson from The Degenerates on Netflix, The Bonfire on Sirius XM and Legion of Skanks, and The Sklar Brothers from Dumb People Town Podcast to their special hipster ghost on stars. They are three of the funniest people I know. And this is a special episode because we recorded it live at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin. If you've never been to Moon Tower, go. Huge, huge thanks to everybody that works at Moon Tower. I love you guys so much. You guys made this year's festival, and every year that I do it, one of my favorites. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Def Leppard. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. For all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 464 out of 500 with Hysteria by Def Leppard live from the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. How is everybody tonight? Thank you. 
for coming out to the first ever live recording of the 500. Uh, uh, thank you. I am Josh Adam Myers. I am the King of Fleece. And uh, I, this means so much to me uh, that you guys came out. Obviously, everything else going on right now was sold out, so you made it here. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Uh, how many of you guys in here are part of the Fleece Army? Great. <laughs> Two people. You, all right, so, and how many of you have no idea what this is and what you're about to experience? So, you have no idea what the record is or anything? Could anybody tell by the music playing? All right, so before we get into the record then, I want to bring out my guests, okay? So, guys, make a big round of applause for Big J Okerson and Randy and Jason Scala! Come on out! Here we go. Big J Okerson, Randy and Jason Scott here. Take this one. I just want to say that this was in the back room because I think they were assuming we were really going to fucking sweat in this thing. They're like, <laughs> better have towels. three towels ready back there. Good job doing a visual joke on a podcast. Yep. Randy. Good call. <laughs> Because this show is not for these people here. That's right, that's right. All right, so our album is number 464 out of 500. It's the fourth studio album by Def Leppard, Hysteria. Released on August 3rd, 1987, <laughs> produced by Mutt Lang. All right, let me ask you guys. Were you Can guys... I just say when you said Def Leppard, someone went, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then you went Hysteria, and we were like, ah. Uh. Wait, what? Did I say that? Well, what was funny, I was, I was trying to figure out an album to do for this, and then when we were together, you were like, dude, this is the perfect record but to then talk I, about. And then I walked away, and I was like, <laughs> I think I meant Pyromania. <laughs> you did. You did. You did. did. I you did. literally did. Pyromania. All right, so well, tell me, uh, were you guys fans of this record before I asked you to start listening to it? I, yeah, I was. For, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved were, it. Yeah. Okay, like what was going on in your life the first time you heard this record? Uh, I, f I think I saw the music video at my dad's house on a weekend. Came from divorced parents. Hey. And uh, dad had cable. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> of course he did. And of course then I he went, did. I went and bought the... Uh, he was trying to win your love. We <laughs> yeah. got that. He only had it on weekends. Every other weekend. <laughs> uh, and then I went and bought the... I was a, one of those kids very obnoxiously, like I had no patience. Like, it's why I had an yeah. Atari 7800, because my mom took me to get a Nintendo, and they didn't have Nintendos, so I wanted said, I'll something. I'll take the Atari! I wanted something that day. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Do you know how useless the oh, Atari God, 7800 yeah. was? So what I did instead was uh, I wanted to go buy the uh, single, actually, for pour some sugar on me, because that's all I knew at the time, and then they didn't have it, but they did have the 45 record of it, and so I came home with a, with a single record <laughs> of pour some sugar on me, like I was going to practice stripping in the 1920s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you what, just. And what about you guys? For uh, we were in high school. We're a little older than than him and you both. You guys, but we were in high school, and that song "Pour Some Sugar on Me" was like it became. We went to a phenom in St. Louis. A phenomenally. We went to like Def Leppard High. Yeah, like, we like <laughs> our school colors were acid and wash. Yeah. <laughs> we we recently went back to our high school and. Randy and I were talking about this, how different times are now. Like, there was a smoking lounge. Not for the teachers. For the children. Shut up. Like, yeah. For the students. Like, students were so, it was so much pressure. Would you there. go to Footloose school? No, <laughs> yeah. I, it felt like it. Just like kids would be like, man, I gotta, 
I gotta take this edge off before I climb that rope and gym. <laughs> yeah, dude, I hear you, bro. Uh, but there are people in the smoking lounge who are like, I know you shouldn't be smoking, you're pregnant. Uh, uh, so our school, that was our school, and those are the people at our school. So like, when Pour Some Sugar On Me came out, that was like everybody's song. So that would it was an like, anthem. It was definitely an anthem in our world. That song, but for us, like we loved, and, and this will be a theme throughout this whole podcast, we loved that first album. And I listened to this album, and then, not the first album, the second album, Pyromania. Photograph was, for us, that was like 83. Like that was so we were, as, we were your age when that album came out. Yeah, so yeah. it was very impression, impressionable for us. Like that, that was like when that video came. I remember when, so for the Def Leppard history in our lives and what they meant to us, I remember this is the moment at which like the music divide happened for our parents and us. I remember they yeah. were on like, Amer they showed the video on like American Bandstand and we were up in our parents' bedroom and watching the TV in their bedroom and we were like, this song, this song is amazing. Look at this song. photograph. It was incredible. And the video was really cool. We're like, this song, this is our favorite song. I just remember our parents being like, yeah. That was funny. The same year, that was a big year for music. That was uh, Appetite for Destruction, too. That's right. Came out that year. And that was, again, that was the first. Mu it is funny that I took my mom and step pop to see Guns N' Roses this year because that was the music, the first album. And this uh, were the first kind of albums that I bought where I was like, oh, this is my music. Like, this isn't right. what my parents are listening to, and I'm just hearing it also. Yeah. And I was 10 years old, so it was like, it was perfect. So I can remember, you talked about Appetite for Destruction. I can remember the exact moment I heard that record. Mm -hmm. This record, uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me, uh, just probably, like... I think I was I was such a Guns N' Roses fan that I kind of made fun of Def Leppard. Sure. Just it has that complete sound of just like it's good. But listening to it now, like I understand why it's on this list. What are your thoughts on this record now? It's like, like music made to like climb a pole to. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is definitely music made to climb a pole with to. One exactly. With one arm. With, with one, one arm. arm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. So So Sorry. So the story of this record is this record took three years to make. You guys mentioned Pyromania. Uh, they were working with Mutt Lang, who went on to, to do stuff with, uh, what's her name? Cheryl, Shania Twain, thank you. Shania Twain's husband. Uh, they wanted to make a basically a heavy metal thriller. So, right. what, so what they decided to do was work with Mutt Lang. So they kind invited of, a bunch of kids over. They invited... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but as you mentioned, you guys mentioned something right before this album came out. The uh, drummer, uh, what's what is his name? Rick, I was I want to say Rick, Rick Allen. Rick Allen got into a car accident on New Year's Eve and lost his arm. And the band was going to replace him, but then he taught himself how to play the drums with his feet and his yep. other arm. Funny, which is amazing. Which is very, which is Correct. amazing. And, and just the idea that they were like, no, we're not going to kick you out. We're going to keep working with you. Funny uh, fact about, about him, though, what, he was married to his former wife, Stacy, from 91 to 2000. She had three uh, arms. She had <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's it, like a total recall <laughs> scenario. <laughs> But in 1995, Alan was arrested for spousal abuse. Yeah. Oh, man. She had a bad guard. <laughs> I mean, I want to say he probably kicked her. That's not funny. It's like the person who gets run over by a jazzy at Walmart. And sues yeah, him. You're like, you could have gotten, 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 gotten out of the way. You could have gotten out of the way. Probably should have been able to outrun it. Uh, no, that is amazing. Like, do, I wonder for real, and I'm asking this as... Uh, 
because we're not musicians, but as a drummer, with one arm, is he still better than Ringo? Like, for <laughs> no, 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 no way. shit no, on no, Ringo. No, Ringo's, Ringo's incredible. The Ringo's the best. All right, so this album had seven singles on it that all placed in the top ten. It sold over 25 million records. It's probably one of the biggest heavy metal records of all time. What are your thoughts on it now? Now that I've asked you guys you go to back listen and to you it listen years to it. later. You recently listened to it, right? Yeah, Jimmy? I thumbed through it again. It's yeah. uh, Look, I, like, I think Hysteria is a good song. Uh, Slar Brothers? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to me, it felt like, and you go back, and I want to go back to Pyromania, but you listen to Pyromania, it has a foot in the 70s. Like the, It really is like hard rock, and the instruments were hard rock, and I feel like during this time, they're like, okay, let's buy all the 80s instruments we can. Like, like no drum yeah. can be in the shape of a circle. It all has it to be, be a hexagon. hexagon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're like, and so it just, I feel like the, the instrumentation sounds very out of date. Like, there's nothing long-lasting in this. Synthy. Album. It's real yeah, synthy. It's, synthy. it's tinny. And the gang vocals, man. I mean, they are like, let's amp this up all over the place. And I feel like they were like, that did well for us. Let's do more of that. It almost felt like the 64 tracks of voice. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's get everyone on this. And I feel like that it, it, it felt less like a breakout record and it felt more like uh, let's build on this past success, do more of what we were doing that was successful. Well, this isn't a heavy metal record. I it's mean, not. this this is a pop record. I mean, if you listen to this, this doesn't sound anything Josh, like that's, that's anything that was coming out during that time. You're trying to compare it especially to, to Appetite for Destruction, which is a full-blown rock and roll record. I mean, this is... But this, this could be a Michael Jackson record. So we were freshmen in high school when both these came out. Appetite for Destruction felt dangerous. You listened to that and you were like, we're doing something now that like maybe we shouldn't be doing. Like, or you listen to it and you're like, what the fuck? They're doing a guitar solo at the beginning of the song and then they're going to do another one later. This was like, let's gang vocal this and yeah. just slow drums. you know. Also, I was able to, like Guns N' Roses... I could do jeans and a t-shirt, but I, this is very true. Did I tell you this? I may have told you this. I just story. want to know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, when the video came out, that's what drew everybody in for uh, Pour Some Sugar. I mean, it's concert video-ish. Yep. And Joe Elliott is wearing the shredded up jeans. jeans, which was the first time I saw that. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I took my... Oh, you husky, definitely did that, My dude. husky jeans. You cut them all up. <laughs> cut, well, cut the I, here's the thing. I didn't know that's a whole process. Right. Yeah. And what I just did was just took a scissor shot every couple inches <laughs> and then put them on, and, I went out, and my grandmother laughed at me, and she didn't look like I got stung by a thousand bees <laughs> because every couple inches a little just fat bubble of skin was poking out of the thing. No fringe, no nothing. It just looked like I attacked my jeans with scissors. No, holes. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to 
actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. How many of you guys in the audience know this record, by the way? How many of you, like, Def Leppard? All right, so we're going to play some clips of this record, and then we're going to talk about it track by track. Uh, I actually, like, I, I don't want to shit on it because I did enjoy this. The songs that were hits were fucking Absolutely. great. They were pop songs. You have to, what I was trying to tell you before is that this was the music of that time. This was pop music. Like, pop music was merging with heavy metal at that time. That's what was being played on MTV. That's what was being played on pop radio stations yeah. on the radio. We're so used to now like having several layers of hip-hop and R&B being pop music that we forget that in the mid to late 80s... Like, there's no current... Yeah, Bon Jovi was pop music. Right. There is no current straight-up rock and roll bands that are getting radio play. No right radio, no, none. none. Anymore on, now. Not on popular radio. So like if you were to go through the, like Imagine Dragons would be the closest to a band that would be, I mean they are the Def Leppard of their time. They are 100%. I was going to say that, dude. They are 100% the Def Leppard because it's all formulaic. It's the same song it's over and over. It's a lot of gang vocals. What is great about this record is that even though they have the same similar sound, every song is its own like pop entity. Do yes. you know what I mean? Yes. They have the ballad. They have their political song. Uh, and then everything is else is about fucking. Sugar? Everything else is about fucking. Yeah. But it's like they did have some depth to it. All right. Uh, let's dive into the record. Peter, play a little bit of the first song, Woman, for me, okay? <laughs> Everything about this song is pure rock cheese. It's literally just a, it is a poppy ass song. Well, they, they start by telling you how God how, created the earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if there's anyone I want to tell you on the earth. He said, give me a line. And then he rested. You know he rests. <laughs> I was like, I was like, just skip so, ahead to the apple part. You know what I mean? I, I recommend each and every one of you guys listen to this record. It is so enjoyable. <laughs> it really is. The beginning, the God created God opening created. verse, yep. the garden and lust second verse, yep. and then throughout it, during the bridge, it's skin on skin. I mean, <laughs> a whole lot of fire, a little bit of ice, and then at the end, they just describe the different body parts of women. Uh, Legs! <laughs> which, hey! Which just could have been. Kneecaps! Coccyx! Trachea! Utero! So, alright, so this. Just, that could have been just them ordering chicken. Guys! Give me a breath! Extra crispy! Skin on skin! Skin on skin! This song, this was the first single. This was the first single that was released off Hysteria in America and in Canada. And initially, it was actually disappointing. Uh, it had a $5 million record deficit hanging over the band's head when this came out. And the record company was freaking out because they thought it was about to bomb. So let me ask you guys this. What's the most you've been on the hook to somebody? Hmm. That's such a good I question. don't know. My daughter? 
<laughs> I've got two more years where I think legally I've got to make sure that works out. I'm going to go ahead and say the same answer. Jay's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's taxing all of us. <laughs> She's got us on the hook. Blown it up. Uh, we, we were on the hook for a project for a hundred grand on something, and that was just a tremendous amount of pressure to deliver on that. And I was just like, oh, my yep. God, that's, that's not $5 million. But, but no, to no, us, no. it was. Yeah. It, it really was. And we, were, and we were stressed about it the whole time, and it did, I feel like, in a tiny way, affect our ability to be as free as possible when making it. So I... I mean, I don't know if we can feel it in this or if they were aware of that. They already made it. So. They had made it, so it was done. But, I mean, if they had to make it and know that the pressure was on for it, I wonder if that would have... I'm sure they didn't give a well, shit. Well, I, yeah, I think they didn't really... They probably didn't give a fuck, but I assume that... Because they knew they had six other singles to back this up. Yeah. So when you guys were on the hook, did you were you just like... This better be good. This better be yeah, good? better be good, and that's just a lot of pressure. You don't need that. Yeah. Pressure. So even though Animal was the natural first single, they picked uh, this for America because they thought their core audience of young males would respond better to a song called Woman. Yeah. How do you think you're marketed to the opposite gender? Oh. <laughs> uh, by their husbands and boyfriends who say, just give him a chance. He's cool. <laughs> He doesn't mean anything by it. He's a good guy. <laughs> and they're right. I am. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think it, I, that's great. I, I think we, since we did a lot of sports stuff, but we did a lot of stuff like sports stuff for non-sports fans, I think a lot of people are like, let me use these guys as an entry. Like, like we're the weed to the rest of the sports. <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the heroin that is like online gambling on sports. Uh, no, but I think people looked at us and said, hey, these guys are sort of non-violent, not too bro-y dudes that uh, can present something that I love to you in a way that you might think is funny, too. Yeah. All right, let's go into Rocket. Uh, Peter, play the intro for me. This song is perfect to me. Even like the two minutes of shitty noise instrumental in the center of it, it's just fantastic. I, why, it's funny. Why do you feel that way? So I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys I, the why. I ask you is because you know more about music technically as a musician. I'm not looking at it technically okay. at all. I'm looking at it Neither just, they. just right, so. the way it starts, just the sound of it. So all right, so last week I taped my first big set for television. I did. Bill Burr presents on Comedy Central, and we were getting ready uh, to tape it. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Wow. It was a, that was a delayed clap, guys. Wow. Really felt a little forced. We all um, couldn't believe you were laying it out there like that. <laughs> but I was, I was extremely nervous before the taping, and I went outside, and as we have been prepping for this record, I was, was listening to the album, and when this song came on, it just... It just got me so focused and got me out of my head and just, it just made me look at the song a lot different. I always liked it. I'm going to be singing it at the goddamn Comedy Jam on Saturday night here. Uh, But it's just, it's just a phenomenal song. Now this was the seventh and final single released in the U.S. Uh, The title is a weak pun on Rocket. 
but the band was not concerned with the lyrical content of their songs as much as the soundscape. <laughs> they were what? No, I know it's hard to believe. Hold, hold on a second. On a I want to say Herbie Hancock's Rocket was more concerned with the <laughs> lyrical content than this Rocket. It's a fun instrumental song. Cool fact about this song, though. The unique sound that they used was for, from the drums on this song was sampled from the Royal Burundi Drummers, a percussion ensemble from Africa that had traditionally performed for the Tutsu Kings. Mm. Who is someone that influenced you that your audience would not expect? The Royal Brundai Drummers. <laughs> <laughs> I see that in your comments. There's a percussion to the way There's you... There's a pace. Uh, who's someone who influenced me that somebody would... I don't know. My daughter? Jesus. Is that, is that every... Stop. 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 I mean, first of all, Come, let's go the other you, direction. I was going to say that. <laughs> uh, who, who, I mean, for us, it's... I don't know... If, People would probably, this maybe is too is obvious, but I would, I've gone back and I've been reading the Beastie Boys book right now. Yeah. They're, people are like, who are your influences in comedy? And I would say, we listen to so much of their stuff, like in the 80s and whatnot, that like their style of delivery influenced no, the, way we, the way we deliver our comedy. Yes. So much so. And I, in going back and reading that book right now, I'm reminded of how fucking great they were. And just how, yep. like, just in delivery. Like, they're not comedians. They were funny, but they, they were musicians, and they influenced the way we do what we do. Yeah, uh, I'm actually uh, the bloodhound gang of comedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, no, I, can, no, I actually could see that perfectly with the way that you guys kind of, one starts a joke, the other one finishes it. It's definitely 100% influenced by the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you thought you have a different answer? Is still... Yeah, Bill Cosby. But... Uh, <laughs> but not just as just as personal life. Yeah, yeah not com <laughs> not comedically. The work he did at Temple was unbelievable. I will say that. One, one of the things I did love about this song is this is just a homage to all of the different artists that uh, Def Leppard grew up listening to. You have the line "Satellite of Love," which I had no idea that's what they were saying was "Satellite of Love." I had no idea. Satellite. Does anybody ever really know the, the words to songs? No. Yeah, just, just you don't phonetically. <laughs> but they give that's that's actually taken from Lou Reed. They yep. had references to Elton John, David Bowie, Rolling Stones, The Beatles, Chuck Berry, and Queen who were all hugely influential on Def Leppard. And then also, during the instrumental break, they say a bunch of the Def Leppard songs backwards. So do you guys spend a lot of time looking back on the past? What the f... <laughs> How the fuck... That's a great I question. thought you were going to ask if we knew what the words were backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's their own title spelled backwards. Do you think you could build a home? No. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. And I knew you were going to ask that. Raw materials in I front of you. Could you, you put together a house? Absolutely not. Until I heard that song, I would say no. But now... I think you got to... Songs backwards. I, I would you guys believe in God? <laughs> That's a good... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we look back on stuff, of course. And so of what course. do you do now like to kind of just keep yourself present? I mean, the, I think comedy, like comedy as a stand-up comedy specifically, you always have to be moving forward. 
Like, you, you know, you come, we come to Austin every year with this thing, and then we come in the fall as well. And I feel like for the people that come out to see us, you're like, we got to bring new stuff. Like, you got to constantly be developing new material and constantly be moving forward. But it is fun sometimes to go back and look at stuff that you've done, like even from a long time ago that you forgot about. And just because you might be like, oh, we're not doing that anymore, and I loved that we used to do that. You know, yeah. not even that bit, but I loved our interaction. I loved our energy. Let's bring that into here. I think it's a good thing I, to do that. I can say, I, even in the context of comedy, I remember when we like started in New York. This is in the mid '90s. We were we were lucky enough to get stage time. I think before we were ready to have that stage. I think all comedians probably hit that moment where you're like, someone says, "Do you have 15 minutes?" And you're like, "Yeah," and mm -hmm. you have seven, right? <laughs> And you and I just remember there were times where we just every night did not know how it was going to go when we stepped out there on stage. And I remember we would look at each other backstage and we would just be like, well, this is it, man. This is this is living life to its fullest. This is all we can do is just this is going to be more because no other job comedy other than comedy. I think, well, maybe another couple other jobs, maybe the guys, the Walinda brothers who walk on the <laughs> wire. But uh, comedy is a little more dangerous. But I think um, there. There is that is the job that no matter how good you've gotten at it and no matter how many years you've done it, you could fail every any time that you get out there for whatever reason. And so there is that moment, and we talked about that before we sort of believed in our material where we would just be like, we have to go do this now, and w it might not be good. And I, I think about that feeling a lot before we go on stage now when I'm happy with what we're doing. All right. All right, the next song is Animal. Peter, play the intro for me. Lyrically, like we've been saying, it's it's god awful. Uh, Just a I got bunch a, of shit. I got a feeling in my blood. I need your touch. Don't need your love. And I want. And I need. And I lust. Animal. Animal. By the way, if wow, okay. that's perfect. That is fucking that perfect. That would be the most profound thought that a lion would ever have. <laughs> so like, or a leopard that can't hear. This uh, is this was the second single, and and, and we're. <laughs> hey, Def Lover. They got it. These are lyrics that can only come out of the brain that's wrapped around with that crazy mullet that he had at that time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he had a singer stellar had a mullet, I mean, down dude. the back. Peter, do you have the chorus? Play the chorus because the chorus of this song is perfect. Regardless of the lyrics, sucked. Play the chorus, Peter. The video actually took place like in a in a like a circus zoo kind of thing. Is he actually trying to fucking act? Like I don't understand yeah. the thing. Like it's really He's not trying to love it. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wants to touch it. He wants to touch it, definitely. This is the original blackfish. <laughs> so Hey, hey. Look, it's the worst best best uh, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, ever though I thought about this, about it was this about song. This song. They watched this yes. video, yeah. Lyrically, like we said, this is about seething animal lust. Yeah. Do you feel like you're? <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you were in therapy? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with South Africa right now? Uh, do you feel like you're at an age where that animal lust is behind you? 
No. <laughs> Wait, my lust for an animal? No. Or animal-like lust? Animal-like animal lust. No. Why would that be gone? What are we, 80? <laughs> do you not feel animal lust anymore? You do. I, you know what's funny? This is actually the longest I've ever gone without having sex. It's probably eight months. Wow, wow. Yeah. way to lay that out. I, it, which, is, which is a long time. I mean, it's, it's, but here's the deal is that I'm. You think your I, load's going to have like a part on topic when you don't use glue for a while? <laughs> it's going to be thick. You're going to have to pop like, It's going to be thick. Yeah, okay. I, I know it. It's going to have like redacted that. parts but, of the Mueller report in it. But but the thing is, is that I, I've, I've hooked up. I've already done that. I've already hooked up with, the, with a lot of girls when I was younger. It's like, I want to get married. I want to have a kid. Yeah. I'm at and that age now. And you'll never have now. sex again. Yeah. I just want to build something. And, sure. so, and so, like, listen, if somebody, if a girl, I'm attracted to a girl, and we're hitting it off, and it naturally happens that um, we're, we're going to hook up, I'm still going to do that. But I'm not out, like, you know, looking around, like, you know. Dude, I went to Burning Man this year for the first time. And he won't okay. shut up. Oh, yeah. You guys just don't get it. You don't get it. Don't you get it. Can, you, can you just imagine him just like <laughs> Dude. Dude, I... Just all Jewy and just... With yeah. fucking glow sticks? Yeah, dude. You don't get it, man. You just don't understand. And it's out. Just so feeling it, dude. Just explain this. Because you talk about analytic passion and what it means for people. Because we're 47. I'm almost, almost at 50. And uh, so I, I was going to get my hair washed one morning. Uh, <laughs> at a hair washing time. Just because why not? And uh, <laughs> we're hanging out and we're waiting to get our hair washed. And they're like, you should talk to the people around you. And so we get into a circle and we're talking. And, you know, in the circle, somebody was like, well, just name one thing about you that's interesting and, and your name. And somebody said, oh, I'm Brian and I speak six languages. That's fantastic, Brian. And this person said, uh, you know, my name is Denise and I have to write the full word wed. I have to pronounce wedness day in my brain when I see it or else I'm going to misspell it. Then this other guy said, I play six instruments. Fine, that's great. The woman next to me who was like 50, she said, I just turned 50. I just lost my job. I just got, I'm a virgin and I just got divorced. And I was like, I think being a virgin might have a lot to do with all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. She said, last night, my friend here at the camp that I'm staying at took me to the orgy dome. There's an orgy dome there. Took me to the orgy Isn't dome. Is that where the Vikings play? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's like, took me to the orgy dome, and she's like, and I fucked everything. And I got up, and I was like, you win Burning Man. I win. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. 
On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. But that is, she experienced a passion and an animalistic, pa- like that, she basically, she basically experienced that song that night. And she's, you take away Burning Man, she got gangbanged at 50. <laughs> and so, I you take away a giant, a, a giant wicker man on fire, you blow the candle out on that yeah, thing, it's just a 50 year old woman getting gangbanged <laughs> by a bunch of smelly hippies. <laughs> It's, it's Let's amazing. go back to the guy who cast a spell a D in Wednesday. Right. <laughs> yeah. While we that was a real it. ramp up from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. She goes, I actually, I have a third nipple. Oh, oh cool. Oh, that's that's fucking sucked off 12 well, yeah. dudes. What? I, I mean, that is ahead. animalistic passion at that age. I don't think we should, I don't think it should be behind us. No, I don't, no, I don't think it should away. be behind you, but, but, uh, I guess for what I'm looking for is is kind of worth waiting for to find somebody special sure. and yes. like you know and that you can be animalistic with. Yes, you can. <laughs> but also, speaking of that, we're talking about waiting. This song was written actually five years before they released it, so they waited on this song and had no. This I- song feels, feels the like most like the a it song. It feels like something from off of Pyromania. Yeah. Exactly. That's why we gravitated towards. So, and this is one of their biggest hits. Yeah. What success in your life was worth waiting for? Uh, I mean, I would say for us, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to do a TV show when we were 25 years old uh, on MTV Apartment 2F, and I love that show, and no one knows about that show. We had fun with it. It was on for one season, but we were definitely not ready for it. And we afterwards we were like we just we didn't handle that right, and I wish we get an I wish we could get another shot at that at some point. Yeah. And then about how many years later was it? Seven, six years later. Six or seven years later, we got to do cheap seats, which for us was the longest running thing we had done. It was the most us that we had ever done on TV, and it was worth waiting for. Like yeah. we did, there were opportunities that came up along the way that just didn't pan out. That was worth waiting for. And it was the type of thing that even then I feel like gave us the, because to this day people love that show and it's been off for a long time, but it says to us that our compass in this business is right. Like, because that show is the most us that we could be and we're like, oh, see, when we do it the way that we want to do it, that it still resonates with people. So it was good for so many, for the money, for the experience, for the exposure, and to tell us that, okay, what we're doing and our instincts are right. Yeah. What about you, Jay? Uh, I think all, I was 36, I think, when I found out I finally got my Comedy Central hour. That was like a big, big deal. But the fact that I was able to like have 16, 17 years of like experience in doing it already made me kind of very like ready for it. So I, I, I'm happy it went the way it went ultimately, even though it took so long. I was broke a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I cried on a podcast about it. It was pretty awkward. I remember. It was beautiful. And I won't! <laughs> oh, Alright, the next song... I'll be in the orgy tent. Oh, good. <laughs> the Fucking next song, everything. Love Bites. Uh, play the opening, Peter. This is one of the sexiest songs I've ever heard in my life. This is a classic hard rock power ballad, and it's all Mutt Lang. This was supposed to be a country song that he had written, but 
Uh, when he started working with Def Leppard, they formulated into this. Uh, according to this song, love bites, bleeds, brings me to my knees, lives, dies, begs, pleads. What else does love do? Uh, wow. Uh, I guess farts in front of each other. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what, love, yeah. here's what love does. Hold, hold your hair while you puke. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I love my wife very much. Uh, she, the thing that I hate the most that she ever says to me, I've said this many times before, is the worst thing she can say to me, but I still love her when she says this to me, is, well, did you, uh, do you get the emails? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I fucking get the emails, okay? doesn't even matter what it is for, but that's, that's what love, love asks you if you get the emails. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, love lets you fight with someone and then forgive them. Yep. I mean, that, that's what it is. Yeah. At, at the core, it survive. Love survives the bad shit. All right, but this is also about, you know, it makes you bleed, it makes you bite. So what's the worst lovemaking-related injury you ever got? <laughs> I used to have a joke about it. I was from behind, never undid my belt, on a bed, doggy style, uh... When Is I was this getting, the one where the guy was, was get, looking through the window? No, no, no. I was yeah, I was getting uh, ready to finish, and then I, like, my body went weird, and I'm top heavy, and I <laughs> fell off the bed and tried to catch myself on the ground, but my feet and pants were still up on the bed, and I uh, I came on myself. <laughs> so the real injury was to ego. Ego. I don't think you can come back from that. Uh, <laughs> holy All shit. All right, well, let's, do you guys have anything you want to add, or I just want to jump into poison? I don't poison? think you can beat that. You can't. Uh, <laughs> the next song is one that all of you know. Peter, just play the intro to this song, dude. Step inside. Walk this way. You and me, babe. So the cool thing I found out about this song was Walk This Way by Aerosmith was huge oh, yeah. while they were writing this. And so they knew that the combination of rock and hip hop was kind of what was making things. You know, that was those were the hits at the time. So Mutt Lang and the band decided to make this their version of a rock hip hop song. And if you listen to this next time you listen to Pour Some Sugar on Me. The same beat as a hip-hop song. Lyrically, his cadence is all like, come on like a bone, baby, come on. It's, it's straight hip-hop. Um, I don't know if it's... But yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, it, don't it, say it to the RZA. <laughs> don't say it to Michael Rappaport either. Uh, <laughs> but... Yo, that's OG straight hip hop. <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. <laughs> What's well, the message? Sound, just the sound of it. But as reported by Palm Springs, the Desert Sun, the adult entertainment publication, Adult Video News, declared, "Pour some sugar on me." By the me. way, I get all of my news from Adult Video News. <laughs> They, they declared "Pour Some Sugar on Me" the all-time number one song used by strippers during their set, dude. In all time, so do what? they call it? Do they call it a set? <laughs> well, no, that's what it, it is. is a set. But being that this, by being that this is the number one stripper song of all time, uh, what would your stripper names be, and oh. what two songs would your set compose of? <laughs> oh, you want me to go? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. 
I also got my porn name, Brandy Brockton. Yeah, and uh, it's good. my first pet and first street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the songs I would do, Marilyn Manson's Personal Jesus. I've thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> and More Human Than a Human. There's going to be a lot of cum and some loose pants in that audience. <laughs> I'm going to go knee right along the shaft. <laughs> a lot of dick. And a lot of hair across the face. <laughs> I, uh, I think if we were, like, what if we were twin strippers? Ooh. We should be. Oh, like, you guys would make North so South, much money. North and South Dakota. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or or didn't, didn't we do this? We had an old bit in our act. In our, uh, we did an old bit about strip club DJs, about how they had to, because they had the only microphone in the strip club. So they had the dual responsibility of having to bring up the strippers and keep the dicks hard, but at the same time, they would also have to announce certain th- announcements that the strip club would yeah, have. You know, you had to do that. So yeah. we, like Dominique on the main stage, uh, Chastity on the, the bar, bar, and there's a blue Chrysler Bonneville. <laughs> With its lights on in the parking lot. Please turn it off, but don't turn her off. <laughs> Come on out to Crazy Legs annual picnic for cystic fibrosis. We got a grease fire going on in the kitchen and some hot tamales on stage. I think I would want to try and be as I would take it and make it fun. I would try and be funny. Like I think so we'd be like Tigris and Euphrates or yeah, something like, like that. Two, two raging rivers of sexuality. And I would want the fertile crescent of Mesopotamia. I feel like <laughs> there was a lot. I would love to. I would love to uh, strip to like a Bell and Sebastian song and just like <laughs> depress the shit out of everybody. Like just do like women's realm and just oh that'd be so good. Or like a Morrissey song. Yeah, yeah you guys uh, would do the the boy with the thorn the in his side. The, the boy with the thorn in his side. I should have thought about this more. All right. I went full on sexy. I should have like T for the Tiller Man or something. Yeah, well, I, I, I want to ask this too, but I don't know if this question uh, is worth asking. But what is the strangest thing you've had poured on you? I know the answer. <laughs> what is your it? cum? It's your, your cum. cum. <laughs> By you. Think, you'd think that was the strangest, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, my, the girl I lost my virginity to, she ended up going to my senior prom with me. And she was more experienced. She was 22. I was 17. She was what? more experienced than I was. Yeah, That's it was weird. That's against the law. Was she, she a was teacher? Molest- <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was molested, if any, oh, okay. any questions, well, right. um, of why she was doing this. But she said she loved tapioca pudding. Mm. And so I was way too young in sex for this to be a thing. But before we went to a, a little shitty hotel down the Jersey Shore, mm-hmm. she, she stopped at a 7-Eleven and got tapioca pudding like little snack packs of it yeah and then we, she went home she got she made me get a boner and then open it and just abraham lincoln headed my dick with it <laughs> which the heat of my dick and energy uh made the pudding it. just turn to sticky mush and then you know how hard it is to get tapiocas out of your bush dude <laughs> it ain't easy you gotta comb it out like lice oh Oh, she she Abraham Lincoln the top of your dick and then you John Wilkes Booth shot all over the place. I love you. Put it right in the back of her head. I love you. Alright. You you emancipated her proclamation. Alright, the next song, Armageddon It. Uh Peter, play a little bit of Armageddon It.
This was basically them combining T-Rex with Eddie Cochran's backing vocals. They took a bunch of different songs and they kind of mushed them together. It, because that does they all not sound like T-Rex in any... Yes, I it does. Listen, dude, if, you, if we had more time, I'd okay. say play the song. Okay. Trust me. Dude, I've listened to this album 40 I, times okay. to get ready for this. That's more than the people who mixed it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But no, they even, even no, himself no, only heard it Listen, too. listen. They even said it was a hybrid. So, uh, so they said we tried to do it with the music. When we met with Mud Lang, he's great at creating the hybrid. We didn't want to be like a lot of American bands. They don't want to be like Journey or Foreigner and stuff like that. We wanted to have the hard edge thing that ACDC had, but we still wanted to have the harmonies, a little bit of Queen. So again, it's an absolute hybrid. What would your agents say you are a cross between? How would they pitch you? Dice, Clay, and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're a cross between whining and complaining. Uh, <laughs> what are we? Mm, like Mark Feuerstein and Ellie Wiesel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are they? Uh, Only the two most popular moils in uh, East of Los Angeles. <laughs> Thank you. Mark Forrestine is an actor who Randy often gets mistaken for, but I never get mistaken for. Uh, <laughs> And Sorry. who is, is Jason standing there with Mark Forrestine? Why is he doing it? And then Ellie Wiesel is a Holocaust survivor who wrote the book Night. Uh, he's the most Jewy person on, on the world. In the world. On All the right. world. All right, God of War. Peter, play a minute 44 of this song. This sounds like a montage song from the Karate Kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you can hear it. It's, it's so funny it's, that you say that, because I was like, this is the type of song where, like, you are standing around at your cousin's son's taekwondo competition. Yeah, oh, 100%. And your cousin's son isn't even fighting. You're like, why do we care about this right now? But this is, the, the, the lyrics are from the perspective of a soldier during war in, in, uh, in battle. And Joe Elliott said, he's like, By the way, that, so is pour some sugar he, on me. I want you to know that. No, but th this is their political song. So how into politics are you guys? And how much of that are you putting into your act, and, oh, and how real are you guys on social media with your actual I political I voted for views? Obama or whatever. Or, <laughs> or whatever. Whatever. Uh, we are fucking insane about our politics, and we get very upset. I mean, it, it is insane. Like, uh, we do feel like we're out of control a little bit right now because this... This presidency feels out of control. I just, whenever I feel like anybody's getting away with something that they shouldn't be getting away with, yeah. I get very mad. I'm like, there's got to be a sense of justice here. And, like, we're the ones who have to bring it when, really, are we the ones who have no to bring it? No one gives a oh, shit about it. That's how I feel with uh, road rage. I like to bring justice to the world. Thank right? you. <laughs> All right, uh, the next song, Don't Shoot Your Gun. Uh, this is where the album starts to fall apart. Like, God of War. And this then is it, where it's and then it's, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, dude. You know you love the first five songs. All first you, wanted, dude, you were like, oh, this I, song's I great. Like and that song's they great. They are great. They are They're great. great. But, it's, but this, it's the tale of two albums. So you have the hits, and then you have shit that it's like just complete and utter filler. Right. Uh, so I just wrote, okay, song. Basically, uh, the amazing lyricists that they are, mm -hmm. they used uh, a gun as a metaphor for powerful women. Mm. So I want to get to Run Riot, because uh, this song is one of the worst songs on the record. 
But lyrically, this is about breaking rules, going crazy, and apparently a whole lot of getting up and running. Uh, have you ever been warned right before getting up to do a set not to say something on stage? And did you say it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch. I, uh, and a lot of times I just told them I don't have anything else but that to say. So. <laughs> All my jokes involve that. Yeah, so. sorry. You're gonna hear I'm it. I'm the queef comic. That's my jokes. It's 90% queef. I didn't realize this was a no queef town. <laughs> Thought this was a no queef zone. Oh, this is a Susan G. Komen breast cancer awareness event. I don't know why. Well, you guys booked me. Hey, we specifically requested a non queef flight. And uh, here we are. What about you guys? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Have we ever been to I always, I'll always remember this. It was like one of the first times I got to feature for a comedian. I'm not going to name who it is, but I uh, was so excited to be able to spend the weekend hanging out with them. And uh, I did the first set, and then the management came over. They were like, dude, uh, Josh, he loves you, but he doesn't want you to do this joke. And I was like, yeah, not a problem. And then I did the next set, and then the manager came up to me. He doesn't want you to do this joke. By the last night... I couldn't do my set. Yeah. Like, literally, it was the most heartbreaking thing. And, like, the guy said two words to me. Well, uh, sometimes, I, I mean, I, I will say that as headliners, sometimes there is an idea or a premise. And we'll ask. I mean, we've, you know, yeah. like, w that a feature will come with that if it gets introduced, it kind of ruins something that you're a big portion of what you're doing later. And so we'll be like, is there anything else you can do other than that? If not, then we'll just make it work. But yeah. like, we're never like, you can't do it. But we always ask nicely. But I mean, we try to adhere to that stuff. But, well, you're not. You know. I mean, Jay's obviously a little bit edgier than what you guys. But is there anything you've ever done a club and just sort of like, don't do your political shit. Don't do this shit. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, and we'll sometimes say like it. We really say, is it worth it? We like have the discussion. We're like, we want want to say this right now we're very upset but is it worth then spending 40 minutes alien alienating 45 to 60 percent of this room yeah is it worth it like yeah sometimes it is and then other times you're like nah why would we do that you know that's kind of not we're doing the not what we're doing the whole set but yeah. it's like part of it uh screech from saved by the bell used to tell his openers they can't talk about farts walmart or grandmothers for real what a weird thing what a, <laughs> all right Hysteria. You guys actually do like this song. This is I probably do. one I of the my favorite ones. song on the album. This is your favorite song on the record. Your thoughts? I mean, I, I do think it is one of the better songs. It's definitely in that group of songs that's a, a good song that they put together in this album. But One of the cool things about this, they lifted the melody from Pink Floyd's Goodbye Blue Sky mm. from The Wall. Peter, play a little bit of Hysteria for me. Rick Allen came up with a name from it when he described what happened in the accident and what came after that. Um, but this song ultimately, once again, is about love. It's about finding spiritual enlightenment. Uh, it's not just about sex with a woman. But what is the most hysterical or crazy thing you ever did because of how you felt about a woman? Hmm. Came on yourself? That was big. That was uh, hysteria for sure. <laughs> for a like the wackiest thing, craziest know. or hysterical or just what is what is something? What is the craziest thing you've ever done for a woman? 
Uh, I never knew how. I would always try to get a girl in high school by doing nice things for her and then telling her the mean things other guys said about her, which would just make her more upset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, here's flowers. TJ said you were fat, but I think you're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks I'm fat? (laughs) No, 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 but I think you're beautiful and I'm fat. (laughs) (laughs) What about you guys? Um, what were, what were you, th- one time, did when you, oh yeah, there was a girl I liked who, uh, there was a girl who I was very much into for a while, and then she, and then I had her at a party, and, or she came to a party at my house, and, and we hooked up finally, and it was not good, not, not good at all. I mean, it was just like, it was like, pet, the definition of petting, like, like. <laughs> Like petting a golden retriever, right? <laughs> and so, uh, and so, I had liked her for so long, and then we had that interaction, and I thought it was terrible, and she thought it was good. So I was, I worked so hard to get her to come to this party, okay? Yeah. And then it wasn't good. So then I was like, I don't know how to tell this person that it wasn't good because I was putting so much energy into it. And then, like, I just didn't call her, which was not good, not cool. And then several weeks later, there was a softball game going on, um, like a comic softball game, and she showed up, and I didn't know she was <laughs> this kid. And so this is a great I, story. So I'm warming up, you know, and I see her, and it makes me a little nervous, and I'm throwing the ball with this like very skilled lesbian woman who, <laughs> that's important because I felt comfortable enough to really throw it hard and let it go, you know. So, yeah. So I'm about third, I'm standing near second base, and she's standing near this woman I'm throwing to near first base, and I let it go. And the second it went out of my hands, okay, I know that this, is, this ball's going to sail. And it sailed. Uh, and the only other time I ever felt that is, is another sidebar to that story was when Randy and I were playing catch, uh, and I threw it. In our front yard. And I threw it past him, and it bounced into, uh, and it broke the front light of our neighbor's car. And Jason and I just picked up the ball, picked up our gloves, went inside, and then hid down in our basement. <laughs> now, like, it should be noted that they were Germans, so. Yeah, so we are, we are hiding yeah, from they, Germans. They deserved it. All right. <laughs> And we're like, and the police came. We could see out of the basement. There's the like poli- a baseball shape hole. And we're we're like, we're in the so fucked. <laughs> no, it was two twin Judas. <laughs> I just remember that we didn't come out of the house for like four days, and then we went back to college, right? Yeah, that was that. Uh, so, so. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. So this, I let the ball go, and, and lesbian girls, like, leaping as high as her lesbian legs can let her leap. And it just sailed over, and I kind of did this, and just because I just didn't want to see what it did. 
and I heard the smack of a ball on skin. And I was like, oh my God. And, and I look up and it, I hit her. I hit the girl who I hadn't called. And there's a crowd around her and I, she's crying and I run over and I'm like petting her much. <laughs> she likes it the same she likes way. This. She likes this. She loves the pet, dude. So I'm petting her in the same way. Did you I show her the back of your hand first? Uh, just <laughs> and I won't! Huff, huff, huff. And I'm petting her, and she looks up at me. And now there's like 12 people around, comics, other people, tears in her eyes, and she looks up at me, and it's quiet. And she's like, why didn't you call me? Oh. <laughs> Jesus. And I had to... I do remember the, the funniest thing I think I ever did. My, uh, I had written a note by probably eighth or ninth grade. I had written a note to every girl in school that I wanted to hook up with and got back a, a no response. And then I wanted to write like the ultimate. Note. There's one girl left, Deanna Brady. Mm. And I went home and I was trying to write a note to her to figure out I was going to give her to school the next day. My stepfather was listening to, he was into the band Boston. Hey, love yeah. Boston. Easy there. The song, um, the song Amanda by Boston. Oh, sure. They take you by surprise I and make you realize Amanda. Deanna. Oh! Third stage. I was like, how is she ever going to possibly, she doesn't know Perfect. Boston's music. Nope. Well, it turns out everybody knew that song. <laughs> and then when I was walking down the hallway waiting for a response, it was just all the girls just singing it at me in the hallway. Oh, yeah. God. Weird. For me, I was dating a woman in New York, uh, and she was she was a woman of mixed race. She was really an interesting and a sweet person. And she came over to the house, and we watched we watched the we watched um, Shawshank Redemption together. And and we're watching the movie, and it's a wonderful movie and a beautiful movie. And I are you telling people about Shawshank? <laughs> <laughs> and they don't know Check what it, it is. And they do frame. Uh, so I and I got to the end and I was like she's over at the house I'm like we're gonna watch Shawshank and then we're gonna fuck and uh, she watched the movie and we get into this discussion I'm like the movie should have ended with Morgan Freeman on the bus okay just he's riding on the bus that would have been like the like you don't need to show him them hugging on the fucking beach that was like too much that was overkill and she was like no they have to be hugging and we got into a humongous fight about like what, because for her it was understandably racial. She needed to see a white guy and a black guy hugging, and I was like, okay, but it, it's, yes, you are right, but it's a better movie if he's on the bus. And I just wouldn't leave it alone, and we got into a huge, huge fight. And in the middle of fight, I was just like, how can I swing this back around so we can still have sex? The whole time, it was. What did you do? We did. I, okay. just, I just apologized, and then we had sex. <laughs> All right, well, that I was, and I would say that was my Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> you were was, look, I have to admit, I don't understand half of your plight, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take I the L on this said. one. I don't I know half it. your plight. All right, there's two songs left. Uh, excitable. Peter, uh, this, this song is terrible, but Peter, play a little bit of it real quick. <laughs> They were inspired by what Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson were doing at that time uh, from the song State Gay of Stuff. Yeah. Gay Stuff. State of Shock. 
Uh, so Def Leppard wanted to make a dance hit, but it's literally just about being excited. What gets you excited these days? What way? However, however you want to break it down. Hmm. Oh, time off. <laughs> it's literally sitting on my fucking couch and you're, you're, doing he's nothing. The, yeah. He is the most fun hang. It's just he's got the greatest couches. You, <laughs> you have incredible snacks, yeah. and and Christine is like the perfect uh, compadre just to have a good hang with. Yeah. So you are definitely the your king diet of- snapple iced tea will never be empty, my friends. <laughs> That's right. God damn it! Stay thirsty, my friends. What about you guys? Uh, I, I love, you know, it's so funny because um, I just love stuff like this, this festival, coming and seeing other comics that we don't get to see. Yeah. When you get on the road and you're a comedian, you're just, you know, with your own, you're by yourself or you're I'm with Randy. Which, which is at sometimes it is lonelier than being alone. It is. And so to be in another city with a bunch of people who New York, we don't get to see people who we don't get to see sometimes all year until this uh, festival is uh, I look forward to that. So I get excited for that like two months out. And yeah. I like put a week. There's like a ticker going. We were on talking there. about this like months before getting ready to do the jam, doing this, everything. It's I, like and I was like, I love you. We see you in L.A., yeah. but, but we get to hang with you here in a different way. And so. This, this is what I get. Excited. I mean, for me, it's just hanging. It's no, he's right, though. But it's just like, especially, you know, for one, we have one song left, but it's like being able to hang out with these three comedic geniuses is like such a gift. And it's just so getting ready for this. Like you said, the festival, everything. It's just the, that to be able to have like this friendship with you guys. You have uh, it. Dude. It's it's just so important. What to me. excites me? Did you ask? You were going to ask me. Sure. Uh, two words. <laughs> Two words, Burning Man. You don't get it. How did you get it? You don't get it. <laughs> I can just imagine you rubbing yourself. <laughs> take it off. Take it in all the orgy tent. In the orgy tent. It's just on, it. on, the orgy tent. On you guys Molly. just don't get He's it. All, he did some Maui. He did some, you're with the Baltimore accent. Yeah. He did some coke. Yeah, we did some coke. He did some Maui. He did some Maui. He swallowed a couple of L's. Yeah, you guys want to go back to my house and do some fucking Maui? Yeah, Maui? Yeah, all right, last song on the record, and it kind of goes with what we're saying. It's called Love and Affection. It's not as good as the hits on this record. Peter, play a little bit of this song. Lyrically, this is about a one-night stand without feelings. So the final question I will ask you guys, have you ever been the one-night stand that wanted more, but they didn't? Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I uh, hooked up with a girl who I, a woman, who I, who I liked, and then she... Uh, and then I was like, oh, this is going somewhere. And then she had to like have a talk with me and be like, nope, <laughs> this is not. And I was like, well, how do you know that it's not? And she's like, well, I was interviewed for an article and I referenced this as a one night stand that should not continue. And I was like, so we're in a gray area? What are we doing here? <laughs> felt so bad. It was such a, it was such a letdown and I felt horrible. I felt like I had been duped. Yeah. Like I went in way too far and I didn't even know what was going on. What about you? 
Uh, I have never been the one night stand and then it ended. I definitely have had like women, a trail of women that I long for and did not want me back. So I've experienced (laughs) the unrequited love in major space. But when it has been like a one night stand, I've been lucky enough that it was like both of us wanted it. And then we're like, we can't have anything. Don't want anything to happen. So, I mean, I've I haven't experienced that, but I've experienced my fair share of, you know, what about the Shawshank girl? Shawshank Girl was more than once, and that was like a number of times. In yeah, we watched The Green Mile together. Right. We watched. <laughs> I, we saw two of the first Bond Stephen watched, King movies. We watched Roots. Slave, just everything that made you uncomfortable. Django. What about <laughs> what about Django you, and Roots? Amistad. Uh, have I ever been the one I stand at one of? Yeah, like every time, probably. Look at me. I'm a fat, insecure idiot. Yeah. Do you have one? I'm always like, I hate your pussy good, right? Right? At least that before you walk away forever. <laughs> Tell you, your friends, eating pussy over here. <laughs> do you have Do you have one that really that was like a hard uh, hit to you and your ego? No, not one more than the other. Honestly, just like yeah, no, all of them. I'm just like yeah, I just want them like you know. Uh, Louis J. Go Gomez on. put a, long, a good uh, thing on me a long, long time ago. He goes, you take your love with you wherever you go. <laughs> I just want to be in a full-blown relationship. Where right now, me and you are together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Just, you know, we're so, together right now. So before we get out of here, your final thoughts on this record to the crowd. I mean, what you guys think of it and, and just what you want to leave after, after listening to this or me asking you to listen to it. I will say in preparing for this and, and listening to the songs on my own, I didn't like it as much as I just did listening to it while we were doing this yeah. podcast. And I think, I think that's because you listened to less of the songs. Yeah. Sorry, this <laughs> I was doing other shit. It's a great snippet uh, I was album. also listening to a podcast. No, uh, no, but I, I was, uh, I think this song is a, was a great, it's a time stamp. This album is a time stamp of that moment. I don't think it transcends the moment. I think it was a great album for the time. It was super popular. It reminds me of being a freshman in high school. And so it, I have such fond memories of what those songs mean that I, that I love the album for those reasons. The f- insane music fan in me cannot say the same thing about this. Yeah, I get it. What yeah, about you, I mean, again, I have a hard time not comparing it to Pyromania, which I think is just superior in many ways. But I, you know, I like Jason felt like there was a moment when they're playing Animal, and I literally like closed my eyes and went back to Parkway North High School, and we were driving up for a football game with friends, and we were going to go get drunk later, and I was like, "This is, this is like." This is our high school. And yeah. so in that way, it is a piece of me in that way, but I would never, and I love records so much. I love music so much. You wouldn't much, buy this? I would never buy it, and if I bought it, I would never put it on. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what do you got? Yeah, it really is like a thank God for Spotify and stuff. And oh, things. it's not, yeah. Well, that's why I'm doing the podcast. It's so easy. It's, you know, it's you just to be able to, to type now, in yeah. that. It's and, a great and idea it, for but, a podcast. Um, it was, the album was huge for me. When it, came. it was in my, uh, my yellow Sony tape Walkman uh, for many, many weeks in a row. Just over auto reverse? Straight through. Yeah, auto, auto reverse. reverse. And that was a time when I would, especially with the tapes, with auto reverse, you never have to take it out. I would just listen to them back and forth mm-hmm. over and over again. So it was huge. Man. I just remember like, it's just keeping me company in the back of like car rides where I was, you know, just in the back seat while parents were up front and shit. So yeah, I love it, man. I really do. It's, it's very nostalgic. I mean, Def Leppard in general, I wish they'd stop touring. They're so old. I I actually they're they're doing cool a anymore. residency in Las Vegas right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, You're not supposed to hear these music. Yeah, we should. With a guy in a blazer. Uh, would you? If I if I if I pick a date, we can all do like a jam out there. 
Like we should, we should go see fucking. I, w- I would do that. Here's the thing about Dev Leopard. If you look at him today, I would say today even more so than even their picture on the album. You are left with one question, and I think anybody who would look at that would be like, "Are they German?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, guys, big round of applause for Randy and Jason Scalat, Big J. Anderson. Thank you guys so much for coming to the 500 Live taping. Listen to the album. Listen to it. See what happens when you put three of the funniest people in the world on stage having them talk about Def Leppard? You get an incredible episode. For all things Big J Okerson, go to his website, bigjcomedy.com. Find him on all social media, at Big J Okerson, and listen to The Bonfire on SiriusXM and Legion of Skanks podcast anywhere you get your pods. And then also, the Sklar Brothers. Listen to their podcast, Dumb People Town, Find them on social media at Sklar Brothers and visit their website for all their shows, supersklars.com. I'll be posting their mixtape track listing link on the website, so go to the500podcast.com for all things 500. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Don't forget, everybody, July 25th, the 500 live taping at Just for Laughs Montreal. You can find all the tickets at my website, joshadammyers.com. Subscribe on your favorite platform to the 500 and rate and review, especially if you're on Apple iTunes. Fucking review that shit. Follow my writer, DJ Morty Coyle, at DJ Morty Coyle, and check out his Instagram page where him and his daughter sing a bunch of songs at Being Daddy Cartoons now. We just listened to Def Leppard from 1987. Here's an artist that is directly influenced by this album. From Canada, here is The Glorious Sons and their song Panic Attack. If you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Echo and the Bunny Man Week with their 1981 album, Heaven Up Here. Y'all got some homework to do. Talk to you soon. Stay fleecy. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and i'll see you there this is krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than jake and host of krista makes a podcast 
a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Next Chapter Podcasts.